This is episode 592 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The First 23 Things I Put in My Survival Go Bag. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Before we actually get to our article, I want to share a couple of, uh, I guess, communications that I've had uh, throughout this last week. And the first one that I want to bring up came from an email that was a response to my Saturday prep. So if you are a member of my email list, every Saturday I send out the Saturday prep and it's a collection of links that I haven't necessarily posted on Prepper website, but I think they're good. And I think that you know they, they should be read and, and checked out. And so the idea is that you get up on Saturday morning, you pour a cup of coffee and you open up your email and there you see the Saturday prep and you're able to click on some of these links. Some of them are articles, uh, very quick reads, but pack a lot of information. Some might be a video, it might be a podcast, whatever. But uh, one of the links was the podcast to last week's episode on Katrina, Lessons Learned from Katrina. And so John responded and sent me back an email Uh, I thought it was very interesting and I wanted to share it with you here. So let me go ahead and jump into this email from John again. It says, I experienced Katrina firsthand in Mississippi. We had the good luck to have purchased a home on higher ground, so we saw no need to evacuate when everyone else did. Actually, that turned out to be a bad decision in the long run. We were prepared for most of what happened until law enforcement decided to take everyone's guns away. They did not get all of mine as I had many hidden in different places throughout the house, which is a great idea to use. After law enforcement had their brainstorm idea, things went from bad to worse when our quiet neighborhood was invaded by criminals trying to steal everything that wasn't nailed down. This came to a head with the murder of a neighbor and the rape of his wife and daughters underage. Law enforcement will not be there to protect you, so rely only on those neighbors that you can trust your life with. From experience, I can tell you that these trusted neighbors are very few and very far between. My suggestion is to trust little and always stay ultra alert. Bad news often travels in packs. All right, so John, thanks so much for sending that email. Um, very sad to say to hear that information about a neighbor and what happened there. So a couple of thoughts here. I remember, in, I don't know if you've uh, ever, if you have been able to listen to the episode where I talked about my first experiences with a meetup group when I first started in preparedness, way before I started Prepper Website and way, way before I started the podcast. Um, there was a meetup group and it was like their first meetup group. I went and, and uh, you know, just kind of hung out there and you know, wanted to see what it was about. I was very new to preparedness. And uh, one of the things that that someone said was along these lines, right, is that you have burner, kind of like you have burner phones, I guess. You have burner guns, right? And so you have some guns and firearms that if for whatever reason you had to turn something in, you wouldn't mind turning those over. Uh, They could be cheap guns. They could be things that you picked up, uh, maybe some that don't work, things that you picked up for very cheap at at a gun show, you know, things that people gave you, whatever. And your really nice ones, the ones that you would really rely on, those are hidden. And somewhere uh, other than, of course, if you have like, uh, I guess, a, a firearm uh, safe, right? You would have to open that up if the cops came in and really tried to go through your house. I don't know if that's what they were doing here when John was referring to this. If they were actually going through homes and, and searching homes or if they were just going to the houses and saying, hey, we need you to turn over guns for your safety, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Again, there's a lot of people that happen and I completely forget about Mississippi and how bad the other, you know, other areas got hit around, uh, you know, the Katrina area or the the Louisiana area. 
But uh, I know I had friends, you know, from churches and stuff like that that were in Mississippi for a long time helping get that, you know, uh, or helping uh, get things set up over there. And, uh, you know, New Orleans was receiving a lot of help. Uh, Other places were not. But anyway, I don't know. One of the things that I think I would do, and of course, you got to get a feel for the tension that's going on. But if I was in a situation like that, even if I had a burner firearm that I was going to give up to the police and say, well, hey, this is my firearm, blah, 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 that I would want to say, hey, okay, I want to take some pictures. I want to make sure that I get the serial number. And so you're taking pictures of the firearm, letting the the, the police officers know that, hey, I, I'm going to be wanting this gun back, right? So you make it seem like this gun is very important to you, very valuable to you. At the same time, you're taking pictures of the police officers that were there. Uh, maybe if you have uh, your spouse or whatever, they could be taking pictures of what is going on while you're taking pictures of your firearm and, and or firearms that you're turning over and different things like that. Um, so that's one of those things that, that you have. But I remember listening to someone talk about that, having burner firearms that you would turn over if there was ever some kind of confiscation. Now, I know it kind of went to conspiracy and all that kind of stuff when when I was there uh, listening to that that first uh, meetup or being there at that first meetup. That was really, guys, that was really early on in, in preparedness and when preparedness was starting to really ramp up. And, you know, that was, that was one of those things. And it never, it never kind of left me. And I always thought about you could do the same thing with uh, like jewelry at home. So you might have your, your really nice jewelry that your wife has and you have that put up in a safe place that's hidden, but you leave some, uh, you know, fake jewelry out or, or whatever, you know, stuff that's not real, real diamonds, real gold, whatever, real silver. And you, you leave it out. So if a thief comes, they think they're grabbing your nice stuff and maybe you leave it in a, on a top shelf or you know in a, in a top shelf maybe on top of the dresser whatever you could do the same thing with money you know you leave you know a couple of uh, you know you have ones fives and maybe some tens and maybe a 20 thrown in there and you leave it on uh, a wallet or in a wallet or you just leave it in your dresser so thieves think hey I'm getting the money I'm, I'm grabbing this and I'm going you can do the same thing with medicine you can do you know you can have all these things that are kind of fakes that are put in place there. So when, when someone's breaking in, they can steal that. I know we're talking about police officers and, and, and theft, but two different things, but the whole idea of having a burner item, I guess is what I'm trying to say is something that you could do if that's something that you are concerned about. And so uh, I just, you know, that's one of those things that you hate to imagine that in today's society, that something like that, would happen. And uh, it did happen. Again, like I said, there are videos on YouTube. You can go and, and search for it. And I'm appreciative that John shared his his uh, information because this is a, a listener to the podcast, uh, a reader of the email list. And, you know, he shared his information. And so it's crazy. The other thing, the other side of that is how bad it got, right? So, you know, when the criminals know that guns are getting confiscated, do you think they're giving their guns up, you know, easily? No, not at all, right? And so when they realized that cops were going around and confiscating firearms, hey, they're like, hey, we can go in and we can start doing some damage here. And that's exactly what happened in this scenario. And so I like what he said here at the end where you need to band together. You need to have those num- those neighbors that you trust. And uh, at the same time, there are a few neighbors that you can really, really trust. Uh, I'm reminded of the situation during Hurricane Ike with my parents. They live in a little gated community. It's not very uh, big. It's a small gated community. But what was happening was because the electricity was out, they had left the gates open so that people can get could get in and out, right? Because there wasn't electricity to open up the gates that would, uh, you know, you type in the code or whatever. And so because of that, there was people that were coming into that community and stealing uh, generators and, th- and things like that. And so what they did was they set up a, you know, a community watch, basically. And so there's really one way into the community. Like I said, it's a small community, gated community. So they set up uh, a watch where people were stationed at the gate. So anybody who came in, you know, you either had to 
know uh, or you had to live there or you had someone had to vouch for you to be able to to come in and they had their firearms out there and they were protecting and they didn't have any problems whatsoever after that and so that's one reason why you want to build that community you want to know your neighbors um, that's why that's all important and I can just go on and on and talking a lot about that but anyway John I appreciate your uh, your email on that there's a lot there's a lot there, a lot of lessons learned from Katrina still that we can apply to our preparedness and to apply to our lives. So, uh, John, thanks so much for that. So the other thing I want to share is I got a review on iTunes from uh, from Grump, Grumpa Dave, right? And uh, this happened on July 4th where he left an, uh, a review, a five-star review on iTunes and I think it's really relevant because of what's going on with California. And that's why he decided to leave this review or he was sharing his experience as well as leaving the review. And so this is what Grandpa Dave says here. At 1033 in the Indian Wells Valley, home to Ridgecrest, California, and 25 miles from Trona, California, we got a great reminder of what can happen at any moment. A 6.4 magnitude earthquake hit between Trona and Ridgecrest today, the 4th of July. Over 100 homes and businesses without power for hours with temperatures heading to about 100 degrees, some with broken gas lines, a couple of houses caught on fire, and lots of rattled nerves. My young adult kids knew that mom and dad are prepared for when the SHTF, but what I hoped for was that they would have been more calm than they were. They could have done worse, but this day of shaking is going to make for some great conversation. Thanks for all the articles I get to enjoy on your podcast going to and from work. Help me to keep focused on how to direct them and feel secure that we were ready for the SHTF way more than others. Thanks again for a short time listener who really enjoys catching up on past episodes, Dave. Well, Dave, thanks so much for your review your five-star review means a whole lot to me and you are right this opportunity right here this brings a lot of uh, opportunity to to share or this earthquake is what i'm trying to say this earthquake and what has happened because of that brings up a great opportunity to share about preparedness and to be ready and so i haven't seen i had to go looking for I guess, pictures and specific things of what was going on. People were talking about the big earthquake. But I mean, when I started looking, I mean, yeah, there were like gas meters that were completely, the pipes were completely broken, right? And so broken in half to where gas was just out in the atmosphere. And so you just, just blow it out. And so if you, if you're not, if you don't know how to handle something like that, you know, you, it's a good reminder to go to your kids and say, hey, if something like this was to happen, you start smelling gas, here's the wrench and this is where you go and this is how you turn it off and you need to do that because any little spark can cause a fire and not only are you dealing with the effects of the earthquake, but now you've got a fire, right? You're dealing with the fire, you're probably the loss of your home, all those different kinds of things. You know, your water lines can easily crack and, you know, it's it just there's so many other things. You got infrastructure. And the thing is, there's over a thousand earthquakes have happened. And some of these are small, right? I mean, one of the things that I've been doing is monitoring the USGS website. And one of the things I like to do is so I'll zoom in on California and then I'll push the most uh, recent earthquake and then kind of just leave it there, maybe leave an open browser. And then as I come back, I see how many earthquakes have happened since that time because the highlighted earthquake is just, you know, it just keeps going further down when new earthquakes show up. And it's amazing how many earthquakes they're having over there, little aftershocks and little tremors and things that are going on. And so when you think about it, a 2.5 or even, so it's 2.5s, you're getting a lot of those and, and above. You're getting some threes, you're getting some fours, but when you already have infrastructure that is damaged, and then you have those other little ones happening on top of that, I mean, that can cause even more damage. Where normally a 2.5, three, a four, yeah, people talk about it, they feel it, you know, okay, whatever. But now you have that possibility of doing more damage, right? And so that's one of those things you need to think about. And so 
things like this, when you have earthquakes and you have you know blizzards and you have tornadoes and you have hurricanes and floods and fires, you don't want to see them because they do damage and people lose their life. And, or luckily, no one's lost their life here in the California earthquakes here. But there's loss of you know property and all those different things that go on. But they are great opportunities to talk about why we need to be prepared. And most people would be open to these types of reasons of being prepared versus going after the big EMP, you know, the grid going down, and people can't wrap their heads around that. But they can wrap their heads around, you know, what's going on in California. They can see the pictures. They're, they can see the pictures. They can hear about it. I mean, did you see the video of that news the, the two news people that, you know, there was, they were doing the news at the time that they were feeling it. And the, I mean, they were kind of freaked out. And the woman actually got underneath the, uh, you know, got underneath the table there to, you know, as they were going to break. And so people see all those types of things. And it just brings a great opportunity to have a conversation about why it needs, why we need to be prepared. Every area will have some kind of natural disaster that you can bring up, right? And so whether it's fire, whether it's floods, whether it's hurricanes, tornadoes, blizzards, whatever, there's, there is a reason that you can bring up preparedness using natural disasters. So um, I just wanted to, to share that review because not only am I appreciative of all the reviews, and if you haven't reviewed Prepper website uh, and, and the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you would do that on iTunes, on Spotify, on you know wherever you you listen to the podcast, but the fact that uh, it, it had something to do specifically with what was going on in California at that time. So again, Dave, thanks so much for being a listener, even a short time listener, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episodes that are out there. All right, so guys, let's go ahead and move into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from mdcreekmore.com. And again, the article is entitled The First 23 Things I Put in My Survival Go Bag. And so go bag is another term for bug out bag. You know, people will call them different things. Um, Even I think some people might even call it an evacuation bag, although I really don't like calling it an evacuation bag. Um, Remember, one of the things that I always say about bug outs is if you are bugging out, you're going somewhere. You have a plan where you're going. You, if you're just bugging out, you're just leaving your home, you're, you're packing up and leaving, and you don't have a plan, you don't have somewhere to go, you're, you're an evacuee, right? You're, you're just going wherever the, the crowd is going. And uh, so you need to have a plan. But this specific article deals with items to put in there. And so every bug out bag is going to be specific to the person. So you are going to have a different bug out bag that I'm going to have or that, you know, that uh, my wife might have or that your kids might have. But there are some items that most bug out bags can and should have. And so I want to go ahead and go through this article and talk a little bit about the items that are there. And I might interchange some of these as well. I'll let you know as we get to the items and uh, some that maybe I, I would rather have this instead of this or, or, or whatever. So we'll go ahead and do that. But again, this is coming to us from mdcreekmore.com. The first 23 things I put in my survival go bag. Let's go ahead and start reading. Some people might consider a bug out bag and a 72 hour kit as essentially the same thing. For the purpose of this article, we will consider them as two separate kits. The 72-hour kit is more of a stay-at-home and ride-out-the-short-term disaster kit, while the bug-out bag described below is more of a grab-and-go kit. The very idea of leaving the security of your home to bug out to the woods has never set well with me. In nearly every instance, it is better to hunker down or bug in than to bug out. Why leave the safety and familiar surroundings of your home for the open and unforgiving wilderness? For many people, fleeing is their first line of preparation against disaster. Unfortunately, many will end up joining the multitudes of other refugees freezing in a cave, dying from exposure, starvation, or violence at the hands of the mob, or becoming wards of whatever government entity is still functioning. I live in a fairly safe area and have prepared to survive at home. I can conceive of only a few scenarios that would force me to leave, Even then, I would go to the house of an out-of-state relative with whom I have an agreement. If need be, he can come to my place or I can go to his after a disaster. 
I know what you're thinking. What about an end of the world as we know it type of event? Well, if such an event does take place, there will be no 100% safe place for most of us anyway. And do you really think that you would be better off trying to hide in the open wilderness than hunkering down at home? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you should never bug out. You should keep all options open because you never know what you're going to have to do to survive until the time comes to make that decision. What I am saying is that there are better ways to survive most disasters than heading into the bush. You need to weigh the risk of bugging out versus hunkering down and make your final decision based on logic and type of threat. That's the way decisions should be made. Unfortunately, when making survival decisions, many people rely on emotion to run and hide rather than more tried and true logic. Relying on emotion instead of logic can make for some interesting adventures. However, without sound planning, those adventures are likely to be short-lived. For example, I recently asked a fellow in his late 30s what he would do if disaster struck his area. He thought for a moment and said he would gather his family and all the food, guns, and ammunition he could find and head for the mountains that lie some 75 miles north of his home. Depending on the type of disaster, his plan might work short-term for a lone survivor or a small group of individuals in good physical condition and equipped with proper gear and mindset. But he is the father of a newborn, and his wife thinks missing an appointment at the nail salon is the end of the world as she knows it. Making matters worse, the young father has no outdoor survival training or skills other than watching reruns of Les Stroud's Survivor Man television show and camping at a national park campground with all the utilities and hookups provided. Why he thinks he can survive in the wilderness while dragging his young family along, I don't know. He isn't thinking logically, and if he ever has to put his plan to the test during a real emergency, his family will likely suffer or possibly even die. Unfortunately, this Batman and the Boondocks mentality will continue to be the chosen survival plan for many who haven't thought survival through logically and come up with a realistic plan. So when making survival plans for your family, you have to honestly weigh the risk of your decisions based on logic. In almost every disaster scenario, it is better to stay put or bugging in or head to a prearranged safe place at an out-of-town relative's or friend's house than it is to head to the woods to eat twigs and pine bark. All right, guys, so let me just uh, elaborate just a little bit on what MD's saying here. I think it's very important when he's, he's talking about logic is that there is a plan put in place because you've thought it through. It's not just, you know, you can't come up with these scenarios there on a whim. You need to have some kind of idea. That's where that's why planning and thought goes into your preparedness and what you would do. Thinking through the, the bugging in or bug out scenarios, why you would want to bug in, why you would want to bug out, where you would go if you were bugging out, having a, a prearranged you know, setup with a family member who lives out in the country or lives in another place, you know, kind of like what MD has here. I think all those are very important, but there is that aspect of having that plan of knowing what to do. So when the chips are down, when you find yourself in that emergency situation, that you're not trying to sit there and figure it out so that you can immediately move to your plans. That's what the goal is. That's what you want to do. And so that's when MD is talking about being logical. You've already put thought into this. You already know there's no, hey, let's wait this out a second or let me get some more information or let's, no, you, you already have the plan in place. And so you can just execute that plan. And sometimes when things are stressful, when anxiety is high, when all those things are going on, you're not always thinking very clear, but when you have a plan that you can go ahead and follow, you can kind of go into that automatic uh, you know, mentality, that automatic, automatic way of doing things. You're like, okay, I, I'm, I don't have everything sorted out here. I'm not 100% in my head, but I have a plan. Let me work my plan. Let me default to my plan. Right. So I uh, just wanted to say that here. So let me continue on with what MD's saying here. Therefore, for most people, an evacuation bag is a better choice than a bug out bag. An evacuation bag should contain the gear necessary to get you from point A to point B, whereas a bug out bag, in most cases, is geared more towards wilderness survival. I have both, but admittedly, my bug out bag is an option of last resort. Knowing when to go is much more important than the contents of your survival pack or even where you will go. 
So again, that's where you know everyone has their their own ways of labeling things. Uh, you know, MD is talking about an evacuation bag, uh, where I mostly talk about a bug out bag would be my version of an evacuation bag for because for me, bugging out, you have a plan. You are going somewhere. You're going to from your home to another relatives home or you have another plan you know your bug out location or whatever that you have there and so that's where some differences are in that so continuing on here you don't want to jump and run before you need to but if you wait too long you may never reach your destination if you wait for the authorities to give the order to evacuate it may already be too late the roads leading to safety could be blocked or impassable by motor vehicles and walking to your destination may be impossible or too dangerous to attempt. On the other hand, if you jump and run in response to every potential disaster, you'll soon deplete your resources and the patience of your family, school, and employers. For example, say you live in an area prone to tornadoes like Texas and you evacuate to Arkansas every time the clouds turn dark or the wind shakes the leaves. That really wouldn't be a good reason to definitely move or to evacuate uh, because of tornadoes, right? And I can tell you here in Texas lately, we've had a lot of rain and a lot of clouds. All right, so continuing on here, you would be on the road nonstop during your during tornado season, which seems to be most of the time in Texas. But waiting until the twister is at your door will also put you at unnecessary risk. There are no easy answers. All you can do is weigh the dangers of bugging out versus hunkering down logically based on the situation at hand. You have to consider the nature of the threat and ask yourself which option gives you the better chance of surviving the type of disaster you're facing. Of course, there are times when evacuation is a no-brainer. Say, for example, you live on the Florida coast and a Category 5 hurricane has been predicted to hit your area within 72 hours. In that case, you would be foolish not to go as soon as possible, even if you have no prearranged bug out location. On the other hand, let's say there is a snowstorm heading your way and you have food, water, heat, and a way to cook even if the power goes out for an extended time. Then you are probably better off to hunker down where you are. In my opinion, the bugging out versus hunkering down debate is moot because it all comes down to the type of threat you face, your personal situation, and your preparedness level. In the end, you'll have to decide what to do on a case-by-case basis. All right, so let's go ahead and look at this list, this survival go-back checklist, and uh, we can kind of go from there. So uh, MD writes here, please note that the following list is intended only as a suggestion. Your bug-out bag should be customized to suit your individual needs, plans, and location. All right, so I don't believe there these are in any order. Um, let's go ahead and... Actually, it looks like they are just in alphabetical order. All right, so let's get started. The first is antibacterial hand wipes. So I greatly agree with this. I even have some of these hand wipes. You can get the smaller package for 99 cents at Walmart. And I have some of those just in my bag uh, because you never know when you need to wash your hands, right? And there there have been times where I have... uh, help somebody in a, with a vehicle or whatever and I've needed to kind of clean my hands off because I got some grease on them uh, you never know those are very handy as well uh, if you are kind of a slob and every once in a while you get something on your shirt at work uh, they do a good job of cleaning up there if uh, it's not too too uh, I, I guess the color is too bad there that you get all over yourself but anyway those are great to have when you need to you know, conserve water and you are in a situation where you don't have water around you, you need to clean up. You know, Staying clean makes you, not only makes you feel good, but it's that hygiene aspect where you're not getting sick. So cleaning your hands, wiping your face, maybe even wiping down your body, you know, so you don't, uh, you know, so you just feel fresh, right? So I think that is a good thing to have there. Second on the list is cash, $100 in ones, fives, and tens. And so that's something that you you might want to consider having. You never know when you might need to dig into that money. Um, You want to have the small denominations. Of course, it'd be easier to carry a $100 bill or 520s, right? But you want to have the smaller denominations because people might not be able to make change out there whenever you're having to use that. And so uh, you have that, again, Remember, don't think about this is the end of the world as we know it and people aren't using cash. 
people are going to use cash for a while after uh, even even in that kind of scenario. But when you are headed out and maybe you don't you didn't have time to go to uh, the the bank and to get some cash out, maybe this you know situation kind of happened kind of quickly and you had to get out. You have some cash with you already to kind of get you through. The next is one that I always talk about. I think that should be number one is the cell phone and your charger. Just because this is an emergency situation, even if it was an end of the world type you know, scenario, SHTF scenario, your cell phone is good for a lot of other things than just browsing the internet, you know, getting on social media, you know, sending text messages and stuff like that. There's a lot of things to it. And so having that charger would be very beneficial. They're making chargers now that are so small that, um, well, I'll tell you what, I went to a conference recently and I was talking with somebody at a booth and I was just being nice. I mean, I wasn't, we weren't going to use their product at all. We already had a product very similar to them that was actually better than theirs. But I was just making nice. I was just talking with them and, you know, just being having having a great conversation. And the girl behind the booth said, you know what, Todd, I like you. I want to give you something extra. So she reached underneath the counter and she brought out a little, you know, credit card size uh, package. And she actually she gave one to everybody that was with me. And so I opened it up. I'm like, what is this? And it was a battery charger for your phone. And it was, it is literally the, probably the size of uh, credit card. So three credit cards, the thickness, if you were to put three credit cards on top of each other, that's how thick this, this sucker is. Right. And so it's very thin or not how thick, that's how thin it is. And then it's literally the size of a credit card, you know, length in, in, in height, and so this this thing, I mean, you could put it in your short shirt pocket, you could put it in your pants with no problem whatsoever, and it would charge your phone. Not only that, all the the uh, it's really cool. All the connections are within this credit card sized battery, and so man, that was that was a great find. And just because I was making nice with this person, you know, I was just you know talking talking to them and just engaging with them. And she brought out this great, uh, this great battery charger. So you can get these even at a conference. If you're looking around, if you're, you know, sometimes they, they are giving them away, but just, you never know when you can find one of these, but they make some that are just a little bit bigger. I've always talked about these that are just a little bit bigger than a regular size phone that could charge your phone, maybe three up to three different times, depending on what kind of phone you have. So I, th- that is like a no brainer. Even if you're not building your go bag, you need to have a cell phone charger with you because having a cell phone that doesn't have a charge is, is dead weight. It's just, it's not something that you want. It's a great tool to have and you want to be able to use it. So having a charger is very, very important. All right. So next up is a change of clothes. Now, when we're talking about bug outs and bug out bags, remember my the way that I look at it as you're bugging out from one place to another and you want to get there as soon as possible. And so you might not want to have a big change of clothes in there. You, you're not going to want to have like three days worth of clothes unless you're bugging out and you're, you're anticipating going by foot and you are going to be on the road for a long, long time, right? You're going to be walking for a long, long time. But if you're thinking about two, three days to get wherever you need to get to, and that is if you're walking, I I hope to never have to be in that situation. If I had to bug out, that's not going to be the first thing that I ever do. But if I had to do, I would want to be in my vehicle. I would want to get a jump on whatever uh, you know I I could information that's out there so that I can make that decision. But I would at least have extra uh, socks and maybe extra underwear inside of your a bug out bag. For sure, you want to have extra socks, right? Because if you are walking, uh, you want to be able to switch out your socks every so often. You want to be able to let your socks dry so that if you need to reuse them, you have those. You want to have, you know, a good, like a wool blend uh, type sock that would breathe. But anyway, you just want to have those that is to save your feet. And if you find yourself, you know, putting clothes inside. Now, one of the things that you should be doing when you look at your bug out bag, go bag, evacuation bag, whatever you want to call it, 
you should be looking at the clothes that you put in there for every season. So if you are, if it's winter time, then you should be changing out clothes if you're doing that right, um, and and all of that kind of stuff. But one thing that you can do is roll up clothes and use like a space bag, the kind of bags that will suck out the air. Now, of course, once you open it up for the first time, it will, it's going to let um, the air into it or whatever. But you can also do this with a big Ziploc bag where you can kind of you know push out the air so that you can uh, you make this make your clothes uh, as small as possible, right? And so you can suck out all that air and you can save space in your bug out bags. So that is something that way before even Prepper website uh, we had. Uh, one of our foster daughters who lived with us went on a missionary trip and they were going to be gone for a very long time and they could not take a lot of clothes. And that was a suggestion from the, the minister that was taking them was to get these big Ziploc bags, the biggest that you can find, and you put your clothes in there and then you just roll them up. You press out all the air and then you know you zip them up and then you can lay them flat and you were able to get so much more clothes inside of your bag that way and so that might be something you want to do if you are packing clothes inside of your bag all right so next up is a first aid tactical trauma kit can't argue with that one everyone needs first aid there uh, i would not just go with uh, a purchase kit go ahead and you might want to start with a purchase kit but you want to add to it right and add things that that you think are important and that you need next up is going to be a fishing kit Now, you can put a fishing kit inside of your bug out bag. It doesn't have to be very elaborate, something small. You can find bait, you know, on the the shore if you are into fishing and that kind of stuff. If you're in a place where you are going to be maybe going through ponds or, or, you know, you're going to have ponds or rivers or, or, or those types of places where you can fish. If you're in a situation where you're going to be where you're not fishing at all, you might not want to even include a small little fishing kit. But there's been a lot of articles throughout the years that have been written on small fishing kits and how to do that. And so that might be something you want to do. All right. So next up, fixed blade knife. And there is a link here to uh, MD's best survival knives options or his opinion there if you want to link to that. I think a fixed blade knife is very important. Uh, you know, every knife is going to be able to be used for, for various situations. And so a fixed blade knife that has, you know, it's a full tang, uh, something that is sharp, something that you can sharpen as you go if you need to. I think that's very valuable for you. And there are a lot of options out there that don't have to cost you a lot of money. And so, you know, definitely look into that. Next is a GPS navigator, like a handheld uh, GPS. And so some people would say, you know, why do you want to include that into a bug out bag? Why, you know, why do that? It's the same idea with the cell phone. You know, just because you are thinking about an emergency situation, just because you're thinking about or you could possibly be in an SHTF situation, that doesn't mean that you poo-poo on all technology out there. How valuable would it be, you know, to have a GPS? If you had to cut through, you know, yes, you could follow roads, but let's just say you had to cut through land, right? And it would make your trip a lot faster. You know, how beneficial would that be to have a GPS navigator uh, to be able to do that and the batteries to go along with it? Of course, you want to know how to use it and all that kind of stuff. So later on, there is a map and uh, area compass, uh, having a, a compass as well, a map of the area. And so that would go hand in hand. Eventually, yes, a GPS could fail. But just because it could fail doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider that as a big time option in your preparedness, right? Again, like cell phones, just like any other technology that is out there, use the technology that, you know, that is out there while you can. I think that's just smart. Okay, so next up then is handgun and 200 plus rounds of ammunition. So you'll have to decide on how you want to do that. If you want to carry that in your bug out bag, if that's something that you're going to conceal carry. Uh, Of course, ammo is going to be very, very expensive. You might have a a vest that you can carry it. So not necessarily that you look so tactical, but, you know, a way to to carry it where it's not in your bag or it makes it a little bit lighter on you. Um, And some people I know have breakdown 
uh, 22 rifles inside of their bug out bags. Being, you know, if they were into, I guess, hunting, and again, that would mean the difference between, you know, a bug out bag where you're going somewhere, you know exactly where you're going, versus going out to the wilderness and trying to survive out there. Um, but you know, having a 22. Uh, rifle where you break down it makes it just a small little profile that goes into your bug out bag that could fit in a backpack I mean, they're they're pretty cool out there and so having that might be a consideration as well next up led flashlights a small a small one with extra batteries as well as a crank type flashlight that doesn't require batteries and so i think those are those are good i also like the headlight or the headlamp uh lights as well right the kind that you can wear uh, as a headband and you can turn it on so you can be hands-free i think having those options are are well worth it because if you are having to do anything in the evening time you need to have you don't want to be holding one flashlight with your hand and digging through stuff or doing things with the other uh, you want to have both of them free so i think it's very beneficial to have a headlamp i think everyone should have some of those and then again the led flashlights um it, it's amazing how powerful the, these led flashlights are nowadays and they can light light up a whole room I like the crank type flashlights. You need to use those every so often though. I remember Gay over when she owned Backdoor Survival talking about some of the items that she had that she kind of just had put up and she hadn't used them. And when she went to go use them, they weren't holding charges. And so, you know, those crank type flashlights that you that you uh, can crank up that might have a radio and might have, you know, a light and might have this and that and all those types of things. You know, you got to use those and kind of keep it fresh for the most part. They are very valuable, um, but you know, you need to make sure that they are use that you can use them and they're not broken or you just messed up from, from just sitting there. All right. So next up lighters too. And I would, uh, so he's su suggesting two lighters, I agree with that. And I would agree with not getting cheap dollar store lighters. Buy yourself some good Bic lighters because they will last a lot longer. They're just made better than, than dollar store lighters and they will last a lot longer. All right. And then again, the map of the area and the compass, I kind of already talked about that. Uh, you know, you can print out maps of your routes. You can go into Google. I know a lot of people don't like it, but you can point, you know, from one point to another and you can see how long it would take you to actually walk it. And so when I was at this conference recently, I, uh, it was kind of funny because we were walking to different places and we were also using Uber to get to different places. And, uh, from time to time, when you're using maps, you can change from walking or being in a car. And so this one time we were, we decided to walk through this one function that we were going to and we typed it in and we didn't switch from, uh, from car to, to, uh, actually, no, we were driving. I'm sorry. We were, we were trying to catch, uh, an Uber and we we're trying to see how long it was going to take, how far away it was. And we didn't change the driving to walking. And so when we put it in, it said like 11 hours. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. That's completely wrong. Something's wrong here. And uh, it was just one of those things. But you can do that in Google. You can say, hey, I want to walk to this location. How long would it take me? And have an idea. Now, of course, it's going to take you the route of sidewalks, roads, and different things like that. But at least you can get an idea of how long it would take you walking, you know, in, in a, on a normal pace to get to this specific place. So anyway, there you go. You can get a map of the area that way as well. Next up on the list is a multi-tool. Uh, the one linked here is the best multi-tool available in my opinion. I didn't click on that link, so I'm not uh, sure which one he is uh, referring to. I'm going to go ahead and click on it here because I want to see which one he's referring to. So he's, uh, yeah, the Leatherman Wingman. I completely agree with MD there. If you're going to get a multi-tool and you want to make sure that you get the best quality, then clicking on or getting the Leatherman, the Wave, I think that is, uh, you know, the, the best one that, or the, I'm sorry, he, he's, he linked to the wingman. I'm sorry. So the wingman is a good one. It's a little bit smaller, uh, version, but then the wave is the bigger one. And I like both of them. I actually have both of them, but I like the wave because it's bigger and it has more, uh, more, you know, functions to it. And it's just, uh, has a little bit 
more to it. So the wingman, what I don't like about it is it doesn't have the saw, the, the saw aspect to it. So there is another Leatherman, I can't remember which one it is called, that does have the saw, the smaller version, but the Wave for sure has the blade and it also has the saw on it as well. And so uh, that's why I like that, that Leatherman Wave. So I, but I do agree, the Wingman is a good one too. Okay, so the next one here on the list is Pepper Spray, right? And so you can have that. I, I don't know if I completely agree with that or want to have that. Um, I don't know if you, maybe he's referring to like bear spray there. It could very well be. And if you are in bear country and you think you're going to be in the woods at any point, or even just, you know, you don't necessarily have to be in the woods. You can be on the road and bears can come, uh, you know, come out of the wilderness at you. That might be something to consider there. But uh, I, I don't know when you already have firearms with you, if that's something that you want to include. Um, paracord, 25 feet. So you can have that. There are other types of cord that are a little bit thinner that you can you can have as well, but you definitely need cordage. That would be very important. And have good paracord. Um, the real, you know, the seven... Uh, seven strand. Uh, when you go on on Amazon and you start looking around, and you can buy spools of, and that's what I would recommend is just to buy a spool of the paracord, and you can make your own, uh, you know, your own length, whatever whatever you want, and it's not that expensive. But when you go there, you'll find different reviews of people. People will say, hey, this is not true paracord. It is not seven strand or whatever. And the reason being is that, you know, making paracord bracelets got very popular. So people were looking for cheap uh, versions of paracord so that they could make their paracord bracelets and sell them. And, you know, you just have a lot of that out there to cut costs. So if you're buying it, look at the reviews and make sure you're buying the, the quality paracord uh, there. Next up on the list is prepaid calling card. Now, I don't know how, you know, one of the things is you can't find a lot of phones, pay phones around out there. And it could be that, you know, you could use this prepaid uh, card as, you know, for long distance or whatever. Uh, I know that we had kids in the group home that would use that all the time when they called family members. We had one little girl who had a family member in, in another country. And so they would use that to be able to contact their family member. So they were calling from a regular landline and, and you know, doing the long distance there. I don't know. Um, but if you do want to do that, it, you know, prepaid phone cards are not very big. Uh, they don't take up a lot of space. And so you can have that, you know, in your bag and, and have that there. You could use that card for other reasons, you know, too, right? You, you can think of other reasons to use that card to, you know, scrape things away or whatever. All right. So then next is prescription medications as needed. So not only prescription medications, but over-the-counter medications. I always talk about my little boo-boo kit and uh, how, you know, I use, uh, you know, the Advil that's in there and the Sudafed and not only for me, but for people around me, they're like, man, I have a bad headache. I'm like, well, hey, I've got some medicine, you know, do, do would you like some Advil and uh, or ibuprofen or whatever, you know, and, and you have that as well. Or even just having, you know, Benadryl as well. I and mean, what if you were out there and you got into poison ivy or poison oak or, or whatever, and you needed that, uh, you had someone in your group that needed some help sleeping, you know, so you have that. All right. Then there's a sewing kit, a small sewing kit. Um, that I think that's smart to have that, um, being out there, you never know what, you know, losing buttons and, and, uh, needing to tie things down. That would be smart. A space blanket. And those are very cheap and expensive. Um, they make some that are a little bit uh, heavier material and would last a little bit longer. If you have ever opened up one of those space blankets, I mean, they're like, you can get a package of 10 for, you know, $10 or $11 or whatever on Amazon. When you open it up one time, it's like, it almost feels like it's a single use type thing. And so you just, you just know that. Um, but there, there's some that are out there that are a little bit stronger material that you can reuse. And so you might want to consider one of those. All right. So next up is a sterno sterno folding stove and uh, he has a link here it's less than 15 dollars on amazon i'm going to come back to that here in just a minute 
because you know you do need something to boil water if you're going to be cooking out there again my idea of bug out is you're bugging out to a location you want to get there as fast as possible you want to have things that you're not cooking right so you want to be able to uh eat things uh like troll mix and and stuff like that uh, on the go you don't want to be stopping to cook you want to get to your bug out location as, as soon as possible but uh, anyway I, I want to come back to that in just a minute and then the trail mix or a box of energy bars and electrolyte packets so that is part of his uh list here and so i've already talked about trail mix then wooden matches in a waterproof container so you have the lighters and you have the wooden matches i think i would want Instead of the wooden matches, if I have two lighters, I think I would want a really nice ferro rod. For those of you who've been listening from the very beginning, a while back, Survival Hacks, you know, they offered us a great deal on this really nice ferro rod. And, you know, I, I bought I bought a bunch of those because I just it was such a great deal. And it was one of those long ones. And I think that's one thing that I would rather have than just, a, you know, boxes of matches if I already have lighters. So that's just my opinion. And then here, a water filter or a bottle. And so I think that is one of those things that's very important to have. Um, again, I like the Hydro Blue water filter or VersaFlow water filter. Um, when you get the kit, you can do the family style kit that i've always talked about and i have a link where it shows you the tutorial on how to do that but within the kit you have plastic water bottles that come along with it and then you can always just use a soda bottle and attach it to filter your water so uh, having a good water filter is very important and because you can only carry so much water with you water is very heavy and uh, you know you want to be able to filter your water out there so that's very important all right, so let me come back and share one other thing that I would like to have that I would add here. And then let me talk about the folding stove. The Sterno folding stove, uh, I, I think that is a viable option there. I would prefer the stoves that you can just use material out and not necessarily have to worry about Sternos. Um, there are, when you click on the Sterno, you click on this link, you can go to other stoves and, you know, of course, Amazon will serve up a bunch of other stoves to you uh, there. And they're very, they're very interesting. Some of these will, uh, you can burn, you know, anything in and they're made differently. And so recently I know Daisy was sharing an article that she went and she did a survival course with Selco, right? Over in uh, Bosnia, I believe. And she was talking about those little fold-up stoves and how they didn't work uh, because it was very hard to get in material to continue burning it. You know, once you had a pot on there, there wasn't an easy way to get it. You had to bring the pot off, throw material in there, bring the, you know, and set the pot back down. But there are stoves out there that have openings where you can feed the fire through the side. And so I think those, if you're if you're wanting to get a folding stove that um, you know, to, to carry around in your bug out bag, you want to make sure that you're looking for something like that where you can put in extra material to burn through the side so you're not having to pick up your pot. The other thing that I would say is a while back, I found, I did an article actually, and it was very popular. I found a stove. So again, if you are in the situation where you want to have a way to heat up water and to cook meals and different things like that, if you are on a bug out, this is if, right? If you're, you're looking to do that, then I would consider uh, getting a wood burning stove with uh, a pot that would be able to be uh, nestled inside of each other. And I found one that does that. The Ohuhu stainless steel wood burning stove. It is like uh, it does that top lit updraft method. So it burns completely. It's that wood uh, gas, a gasifier type stove. And um, it's a really great stove. I've used it and it, uh, it, you know, you can you can set it up and break it down very easily. And it's as good as the solo stove, um, but the solo stove doesn't break down as small as this one does. But the cool thing is that the stove will stow away inside of the, the pot, the Alpine MSR stowaway pot. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, so you have, 
the ability to put the stove inside of the pot and then the pot comes with a way you know with a uh, I guess a, a bag that you can carry everything inside. So if you are going to do a stove of some sort and you're looking to do a pot, then I think this is one of the great options out there. And I'm going to link to this article that you can go and you can go check out the, the pot and also the stove that I'm talking about. Because if you're looking for an option like this, I think this is the best. And again, you can see what I did, uh, you know, all the pictures that I that I took. And you can even include some of your fire making material inside of you know this kit so that it's easy to get to so anyway that's uh that's there about the the cooking options there you know if you are wanting to do that and lastly one of the things that i would want to add one of the first things that i would want to add is and that i have added is one of the big contractor bags uh you know garbage bags now these are the type that go into like a 55 gallon drum that you are, you know, if you were using that for a trash can. And so these are super big, kind of like that space blanket. But you can use this for so many different ways. You can use it as a poncho if you needed to, you know, make a, a makeshift poncho and they're big enough to go over you and your bag. If you, you know, so your bag doesn't get all wet. Um, if you need to have a ground cover, you're able to do that. If you need to carry water, you're able to do that. There's just so many different options for it. If you needed to make a little makeshift shelter for a little bit of shade, you can put that up and, and use it that way. And there's just so many options for it. So I would include one of the big 55-gallon contractor bags, trash bags, because you're able to roll it up or you're able to fold it up. And it's uh, it doesn't take up a lot of space at all. And so there's a lot of other things that you could include in your go bag. And like I said, everyone else is going to be a little bit different. So let me go ahead and finish out this article here. Um, there is a note. It says, uh, if forced to bug out by car, load both your 72 hour kit and bug out bags. All right. So you have that. So I'm going to finish out here with a special, with some special considerations for children. All right. So here we go. In stressful situations, it is important for you to appear relaxed, confident, and in control, even if you are trembling or a trembling bag of nerves on the inside. The last thing children need is extra stress brought on by a panicked parent. Another consideration concerning children is familiarity. During a bug out situation, you will be away from home and this can be extremely stressful for children. It is important to eliminate as much of the stress as possible. One way to do this is by bringing along items that are familiar to them. If they have a favorite blanket, pillow, stuffed toy, or other object that comforts them, be sure to pack it before heading out the door. This is very important. Children tend to bore easily, so adding items to forestall or extinguish their boredom will make the time away from home much easier for all of you. You may want to put together a bug out bag or bug out pack just for them consisting of toys, books, cards, writing, drawing materials, and games. Don't forget extra batteries for those games and toys that need them. Of course, children aren't the only ones who get bored. Include things that will keep your boredom in check as well. And I want to remind you as well that there are bug out bags for dogs and for animals, right? And so if you have a, a big enough dog, they can carry some of the weight of their food inside of their bug out bag. And, uh, you know, they might have like a foldable dish or something like that for water that you can that you can put inside of their bag. So anyway, that's that's something to consider there as well when we're talking about all of this, because I know that some of you have pets that are just like family members or you would consider them your family members. So, guys, that's it for this article. The first 23 things I put in my survival go bag. It's over at MD Creekmore. Go visit his website. He's got a lot of great stuff. He's been, you know, in preparedness for a very long time. He's got a YouTube channel. He's putting out a lot of content, a lot of good content. So uh, go check him out. You'll learn a lot there if you are wanting to learn more about preparedness. And that's it for episode 592. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And if you're looking for more preparedness information, don't forget that you can hit PrepperWebsite.com all week long. We are uploading new articles 
24-7 every single day. A lot of great information as well as pages that are devoted to alternative news, frugal living, DIY, uh, firearms, uh, you know, consp- even conspiracy theories if you're wanting to uh, to look at things like that. And I'm telling you that conspiracy theory page is starting to become the third most popular page on on the website, on Prepper website. So, of course, the, the main page is the most popular and then Alt News Hub. But conspiracy, it's called Conspiracy Galore is that third page. And uh, yeah, people are really going to that one. That's, that is one of the, the third most important or the third most viewed page now. So uh, that's kind of interesting that people are looking at that uh, even more so. All right, guys, so don't forget, we got a lot of great stuff there. And then I'd love for you to connect with me as well. And the way that you can do that and the way that I've been uh, kind of sharing even some personal things is through my email list. I've kind of given up on social media. Uh, I still you know, use Twitter for information for news. And I bounce around in Facebook to the group every once in a while just to, to make sure things are okay and things are still, you know, on on uh, uh, working like they should be. But for the most part, I've kind of given up there. So I, I used to say connect with me on social media, and that's not really the case anymore. The way you can connect mostly is through email and especially that email list. So I'd love for you to be a part of the email list. I make it very easy for you to connect in all those different ways in the show notes. I have links. You can come over to Prepper website. You can come over to the podcast website. I make it very easy for you. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.